This is Care Less, Do More. I sat down with Brooklyn Bell while we were both in Salt Lake City premiering Nexus as well as The Approach 2. Brooklyn stars in both ski films and is the first person I've ever seen drop into massive, exposed, beautiful faces in Alaska on skis with so much confidence while only having been on skis for six seasons. Brookie has become a very close and cherished friend of mine over the years, and she's someone who truly helps me to progress when we're together biking or skiing or just in general as a human. She's a professional biker, and I'm just gonna say it because I watched it unfold before my two eyes, a professional skier as well, a true multi-dimensional athlete. She's a fine artist and has this unique and graceful way of navigating the outdoor industry on her own terms. Before we drop into this episode, I just want to remind all of you that today is your last day to participate in democracy and get out and vote. This is your reminder to do that and get that vote in. Voting is cool and there's a lot on the line right now. So I hope to see you at the polls. This episode is brought to you by Arcteryx. Today, I'm gonna to share with you a little bit about the Regear program, which is something I think is really, really cool. Regear gets used gear back into action. So they take back gear that isn't being used and they refurbish it with the same obsessive design that built it to extend its active life beyond one adventure or user. Arcteryx gear is built to last. We all know that, we love them for that. So keeping that gear in action helps to spread the impact of its existence across time. I didn't know this, but 65% of the environmental impact of one jacket is caused by the creation of that jacket. So you can also shop regear items on their site, or you can trade in your gear as long as it's repairable. There'll be a link in the show notes for you to learn more. All right, I have the pleasure of sitting down with Brooklyn Bell currently. Brooklyn is a professional mountain biker, a Patagonia ambassador, a freelance digital fine artist, and as I can attest, a ripping skier who drops into Alaskan lines with full confidence, even though she's only been skiing for six seasons. Brooklyn lives in Bellingham, Washington currently. She started mountain biking through trail running on mountain bike trails, and a friend took her out finally to mountain bike and she was hooked. Spent all of her savings and hasn't looked back. Brooklyn's energy is contagious. She has a unique and beautiful perspective on our industry and the outdoor space. I've had the pleasure of getting to know Brooklyn over the past few years, and she's been a huge mentor for me on my bike. We've been on some really fun adventures together and finally got to spend some time in Alaska on skis this past winter while filming for Nexus. Mm -hmm. Welcome to Care Less, Do More, Brooklyn. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Michelle. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I'm so excited. Um, Gosh, right when I said that and I looked over at you, I was like, oh, I kind of view you as like a little sister too. Like, I have so much <laughs> Aww, love for you. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, this past season was amazing, but I'm curious where it all started for you. Where were you born? And talk a little bit about Ooh, your upbringing. The very beginning. Um, so I was born in Tacoma, Washington. Um, the early years of my life, I was just kind of raised by my mother. I'm not very close with my biological father. And um, uh, after my like first early years, my mom met uh, my stepfather, Randy, and they started a hot dog company, a hot dog uh, concession stand. Um, and uh, they ran that company uh, down at the Seahawks Stadium, and I was there for every game, like 
eating red vines, uh, handing out suckers on the street for a change. And um, I, my early years of being a kid, I really got to experience um, being around my mom and my dad and seeing their entrepreneurial spirit and um, seeing what they could do with not very much. And it's pretty amazing. Are you a Seahawks fan? Oh, I'm definitely a Seahawks fan. <laughs> still watching? You tune in? Uh, no, but I know that when the Seahawks are doing good, my dad's doing good, and he still is selling hot dogs. Really? Yeah, he called me the other day. He's like, business is great. The Mariners are doing awesome. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. I also didn't know that we had our love for great or for red vines in common. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I always say like when I go to see a movie. Like this... the super long ones. Oh, so <laughs> that like good. wrap around. Yeah. yeah. Those are amazing. I always joke when I go to see a movie in a movie theater that it's like a $12 nap for me because I get a pack of red vines and I eat them like within the first five minutes of the movie starting and then I pass out and take pass a nap and out. wake up with a stomach ache. Oh. <laughs> like how old am I? Yeah. 12? <laughs> yeah. So um, when I was like little, my parents had like a property in SeaTac. It was like on like a quarter acre that had a pond and a bunch of like fruit trees. So like um, I spent a lot of time with my dad um, working at the stadium or working as much as a little kid can just like hang out, <laughs> you know. Um, but I also spent a lot of time in the yard climbing trees and collecting frogs. And um, I loved being outside when I was little and um yeah, I feel like I always like had a sense of adventure in me. Yeah, growing yeah. up with fruit trees, what kind of fruit trees did you have? Um, so I had Asian pears, Ooh. I had cherries, and also apples. Amazing. Yeah, great variety. Yeah, I love yeah. that. And you have a younger sister? Yeah, right? I have a younger sister, Jaden. Yeah. Awesome. And she lives in Florida now? Yeah, she lives in Florida. Going to school? Uh, no, not going to school. She's just working and awesome. it's boring and figuring out life, but I'm really proud of her. She's becoming such a, um, amazing young woman. Yeah. Yeah. I think it sounds like you guys are pretty close, right? We're very close. It's kind of crazy. We're super close, even though we're six years apart, but I don't know. I've, I've become, I love being a big sister and, uh, Jaden has taught me a lot and, you know, it's kind of funny you kind of think that like big sisters have little sisters backs but like Jaden always has my back which is really amazing oh, i love that yeah and when i've like i've had you know quite the journey of like kind of um being more visible and having a lot of success and um my little sister Jaden has always been really supportive of me that's awesome yeah can't wait to dive into that too yeah. oh. so you grew up in tacoma yeah and what brought you to bellingham uh so uh, my parents, they got a divorce and my mom's family is from Bellingham. Um, and so she decided that she wanted to move back to be closer to family. Um, and so we moved to Bellingham when they got divorced and it was just me and my sister and my mom. And <laughs> those were some of my favorite memories of spending time with my mom. Um, just cause like she just got to be all of herself and she's like a really silly, very out outspoken lady. She's extremely goofy. And I just remember having so many dance parties with her and my sister and so many laughs. And um, it was pretty special, even though um, it was a really tumult 
tumultuous time and we just went through a lot of change um it was crazy like moving to bellingham as a kid and like having this neighborhood that had so much freedom like a couple of minutes away was just a park that Jaden and i could go play soccer and then there was a trail that we could go walk on to go to the grocery store and um i'd never I hadn't really experienced that before. I think in Seattle, we were always kind of commuting from place to place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Dance parties with the mom and sister sounds so fun. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I still to this day grab my dad and dance in the kitchen with him. Yes. (laughs) The kitchen is where it happens. Yeah. Yeah. How old were you when you moved to Bellingham? 10. 10. Yeah. So you pretty much like you grew up there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. Was mountain biking big when you were 10? Did you know about it? I think mountain biking was big. I just had no concept of it. Yeah. I had no clue. It was crazy because I went to Colson Middle School and Colson Middle School is right next to Galbraith. Like there's trails right behind the middle school, yeah. which is wild. And then there's like Wacom Falls, which is right next to Colson. And there's trail that goes like from the middle, from Wacom Falls up to the middle school, up to Galbraith. <clears throat> And you would think that I would run into another mountain biker, but I didn't. Yeah. It was weird. I didn't in Tahoe either. Like I played team sports and stuff until out of high school. That's when I really started to discover the backyard. Yeah. When I was that age, I was actually really into figure skating. Oh, no way. Yeah. Because my mom, she was a figure skater like when she was little. And then she also did like roller skating too. She was really into roller skating. And so my mom got me into figure skating um and so i was into that for a little bit um and then uh did a little bit of like synchronized skating on a team and that's cool yeah it was really fun and i had one friend who lived in the neighborhood who um i made friends with just through skating and like it was so fun to hang out with her because her parents like definitely had more money than my mom. So we would go over to house and she would have all these snacks like from Costco. And I was like, what (laughs) crazy. And her mom and her family would always give me rides to the rink. And they were such a great help, I think, for me um, when my mom was, you know, a single mother with two kids, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so you grew up there. And then what happened after that? Oh, so much. Um, I mean, I feel like I, so like that was like middle school age. Um, and then like high school is when I like beginning of high school, I discovered like Photoshop and I was part of yearbook and I kind of like started working in design programs. Um, so I've been like working in, in Photoshop since I was like 13. Wow. Like I know a lot of key commands. Yeah. <laughs> You've got it dialed. <laughs> yeah. And like throughout high school, like I ended up yearbook editor. So I've always been really interested in design and I've always been interested in like leadership and design for aesthetic or like story. And then I played soccer as well through high school. I was somebody who was always like a bench warmer <laughs> and I w- was on JV and, um, like I remember one summer I worked really, really hard to get onto varsity and I made it on the team. Yes. And then I ended up bench warming. Oh no. <laughs> and that, that's been definitely a, like a lesson of like, okay, like just because like you get some kind of title or you earned your way there, like 
I mean, that's, that's a prize in itself, but like the prize is the process and like getting to play. And I feel the same way about mountain biking and skiing, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like that's having, a cool having a seat at the table, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That means something. Definitely. Yeah. That's so cool. So through yearbook and through learning about design and all that stuff, does that where your art kind of developed or where did that start for you? Um, so when I was in high school, I had a lot of access to um, computers, like really nice computers, super nice programs. Once I graduated high school, I didn't have that access really. Um, and like, I didn't really have any access to like any art supplies or anything like that. I didn't really have any money. Um, I did have like a computer that I downloaded like a free, like janky version of Photoshop. It's called GIMP. I don't even know if it exists anymore, but that was like, that was the program that I started doing my artwork in. And it's the most janky program. And I kind of started doing artwork, um, just cause I like wanted, I wanted to be in the mountains. I wanted to be a mountain lady. I knew that's what I wanted to do and pursue. I didn't have any money. I didn't have any resources. I didn't really know anybody. And like, for me, like artwork was a way of just like, um, creating all the things that maybe I wasn't or what mm. I, I, what I wanted to be. And at first when I was creating digital art, I didn't even really feel like I was an artist. Cause I thought what it meant to be an artist was to be a painter. And mm. so like, I didn't even know, I didn't even think that what I was creating was legitimate really. Mm, Cause it's like, yeah. What is that process? Cause I don't really understand the process with digital art. Um, for me, my my version of di- digital art is a little bit different than maybe other people's, but um, I still I still draw everything out on with pen and paper, and then I scan it in, and then I use Photoshop to uh, do all the color work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like that's such a common thing now, or like I've been exposed through social it, media to a lot more digital artists. Totally, like it's kind of completely changed, right? Yeah. Um, which I'm really happy to see, like, I'm happy to see more people use more of their tools and like for some people, um, like a tablet or computer is like an easier access than necessarily like buying paints and buying canvases. And it's, um, you know, you're with the programs, you're able to make a lot of mistakes too. Right. And correct them and Totally. It, that's what I was about to think. I was yeah. like, that almost seems like a more approachable way for me to express myself. Totally. Because I don't really think of myself as much of an artist with a pen and paper. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. But it's pretty, yeah, it's amazing now seeing so much more digital art. Um, and I'm like, yes, like we're artists. We have a space. <laughs> yes, I totally think you are. Yeah. I, yeah, you were so kind to gift me a few of your art pieces and they're beautiful. Like I, every time you post something with like a t-shirt with your artwork on it, I'm like, yes, I'm going to buy that right now. <laughs> I love it. If, you, uh, if y'all, if all the listeners haven't seen Brooklyn's art, what's your website? Uh, BrooklynBellDesigns.com. Yeah. Yeah. Go support Brooklyn. Thank Purchase you. some art. It's yeah. amazing. It kind of just fills me with this, kind of what you're saying, this imaginative, like brightly colored, beautiful landscape. Like it takes you to these locations. And it's crazy. Um, A lot of it just comes from my imagination, just Mm -hmm. like um, experiencing different places and then uh, almost 
coming up with this like certain kind of like mountain vocabulary from seeing different places, whether it be Alaska or it be, be the desert in Utah, like just understanding how those shapes work together. And then from that, being able to create something. That's really cool. Yeah. I feel like when we get older, we start to lose our imagination a little bit. Yeah. I tapped back into it, hanging out with a bunch of four-year-olds or like younger <laughs> kids this year. And I was yeah. like, oh, yeah, imaginative play is so fun. You can just create and make up whatever the storyline is. Definitely. Yeah, yep. I love that you're tapped into that. One thing I've been thinking about a lot lately is um, with Nexus and Approach, both of these ski films is like, um, ski culture is the air we breathe, right? Um, we're so embedded in the culture and um, <clears throat> even approach when we're trying to um, navigate things with intersectionality and we're trying to throw these ideals out the window, we still show up with these ideas of what it means to be skier, skier without us even really thinking about it. And I think I keep on thinking like, oh, what's the solution for this? Like, I can't help it that like, I am like kind of a skier bro. And um, I think the solution is imagination and being creative and open-minded. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what does that look like? Cause we don't have any concept of that even really, you know? Yeah. I feel like that's what you've <clears throat> brought into our friendship mm -hmm. is like this totally unique perspective on the industry. Like we've had so many conversations about this, but I've been doing this for 20 years. And to me, in my mind, there's been a bit of a formula of like totally the steps I take, the process I take every single year and hanging out with you. I'm like, oh, I don't can I can throw that out the window. Like totally. that's what I've been taught through yeah. growing up in the industry. But the way that you approach the industry is so uniquely you. Totally. Still figuring it out. <laughs> yeah. And still figuring out like a, how to support other people too because not everybody um gets to be in my shoes mm -hmm. yeah i think that's so refresh it's always been really refreshing to hear your take on how you approach things yeah i don't know <laughs> i love it pretty crazy keep doing it yeah it's the best to. it's refreshing <laughs> yeah because yeah. there needs to be change we can't be in the stagnant state all the time totally yeah 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 i dig that so we are here in Salt Lake City at Evo for the premiere of The Approach 2 mm -hmm. and Nexus, which you're in both of these. You're kind of a movie star right now. Yeah, tour. you yeah. know, when you're watching Disney Channel and there's a crossover episode between your two favorite shows, yes. this is that premiere. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, I'm, awesome. I am the crossover character. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but you kind of started like, <laughs> In, you started in the outdoor industry through by way of biking. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I mean, I think I've always been like passionate about skiing. I mean, I was a figure skater. Like, yeah, to me, like skiing when I first got on skis was like the most intuitive thing ever. I think like, but I don't know. It, it's kind of like things just kind of push you and pull you like in ways that you can't really understand. Um, and I, I love biking so much. Biking is so dependable and nice and it's easy. And um, like, I think my like avenue through biking has been through Patagonia. Um, they, I mean, 
it's incredible. Like when I graduated from college at 22, they like offered me my first contract for biking and pretty groundbreaking. How did they discover you? Um, They discovered me through uh, Molly Baker. Molly Baker, she lived in Bellingham and um, at the time, I I had only met Molly Baker once, um, but I was working at a gear shop and uh, she was like a local and she had like a good deal with the gear shop there. And I met her once and I thought she was fabulous. She she was so cool. She just like dressed so loud, which I was excited to see because in Bellingham, people are very subdued. Yeah. And I thought she was just a badass just for being so fashionable. And then uh, I, you know, was just, I kept on writing and kept on kind of like doing my thing with school and art and biking. And um, I just got a message from somebody at Patagonia being like, hey, like, can we do a phone call with you? Like, we're starting to develop our like mountain bike program and develop like mountain bike gear. And we'd love to get you on the program. And I was like, I was so excited. I bet. That's (laughs) a huge moment. I was not expecting that at all. Like, and I I remember telling everybody and everybody was like, oh my gosh, you're sponsored by Patagonia. And that was not quite it, (laughs) but it was really exciting to just get that initial call. And then um, over the like past couple years, like we had gone on like a couple of trips um, and um, done like a bunch of shooting together and, um, uh, like we produced a film called Becoming Ruby together. And, um, I think it was just like a natural fit for the team and I'm really honored and really stoked and, um, not very many people notice, but I'm one of the, I think I'm the only black, I'm, I'm the first black woman to be on the Patagonia team, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty groundbreaking. Yeah. Congrats on that. We never talked about it, but mm-hmm. <laughs> unspoken, right? Yeah. Yeah. And how old are you now? 26. 26. So you've yeah. been on the program for four years. Yeah. I've yeah. been on the program for four years, but there's so many folks who've been with Patagonia for so long, I still feel kind of like new and right. fresh. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a good sign. They keep yeah. their athletes around. Oh, definitely. They're, yeah. they're such a great company. I mean, just... Yvonne just like giving back to uh, everyone. It's it's incredible. Yeah, talk about a boss move. Yeah, and <laughs> that's, that's just what they do. Mm-hmm. They're bold and um, we've had so many conversations um, over the past couple of years where um, there have been moments where I think I've had to kind of break the rules to be able to pr- produce the content that I need, need to produce or work with the people that I really want to work with. And um, they're really open to changing the process of things to make things more inclusive. That's amazing. Yeah. I like what you just said about breaking the rules. Yeah. Because they're kind of like these unspoken I feel rules. like I break the rules all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's just nature of like, um, like you know, you kind of have to do things different a little bit to really change things. Yeah, totally. And that's just you being true to yourself too. Totally. Of like, this feels right for me. Yeah. I'm not going to do something because y'all are telling me to do something. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And they're just always open to listening. Mm-hmm. I love it. They're great. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that. Um, I think the first time that we interacted, you had heard about my multiple personalities. So 
Um, I've been such a big fan for so long. <laughs> I'm blushing. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's it's so crazy to think about. Like, I don't think I've ever really like gone into depth of how much I'm a fan. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, I remember like listening to your um to your podcast with Payson. Mm. And I saved it in my phone. No way. I saved it in my phone like forever so I could listen to it when I was feeling low. Oh, wow. Yeah. No way. Because I thought it was so powerful. That was a long conversation. It was it, like a two hour plus one. I think I there think. was a certain section of it that I just like, it resonated with me a ton. And it was, I just thought it was so profound because I was like, oh my gosh, this woman who I look up to who's like what I want to be as a skier, who like in a lot of ways is what Ruby is in my head. You know, um, she also has an alter ego that she's created, right? And I just thought that was cool. I'm like, oh, maybe like, maybe I'm onto something. You were. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think when you spoke to me about that, that was before Becoming Ruby had released. Totally. And you were like, oh, we have multiple personalities too. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. And then, I mean, there was that podcast that you did and then all the work that you've done with Originate has, I mean, unlocked a lot for me for skiing. Mm. Like we've watched Originate every single time that we've gone to Alaska, the approach crew, and then we've watched it over and over again. And we've studied some of the lines that you've hit and like and you got to go there this past yeah <laughs> so and cool. it's it's incredible like the kind of blueprint that you've laid out um and you show a lot of process which i really appreciate mm-hmm. and when we are having these moments where we're like oh we're feeling like we're not nailing it for the shot or like doing this it's like it's really amazing to have like you and ingrid there for perspective of like you know like you've done this for so long and like you you don't just show up to the space being like an expert, right? Like totally. you work your way into it. And um, years and years and years. I mean, like some of the work that you've done like with, with Originate is just worth more than gold. I really appreciate you saying that. Yeah. I feel like sometimes you create so much content and you don't entirely understand the impact it might have on others. Totally, or you don't think it's gonna be relatable, yeah. right? Yeah. But then like I was able to like, I was able to watch that and be like, oh, okay, this is how you ski, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah. I really, I think when you spoke about Ruby and the creation of Ruby, I have a little quote here from you that I pulled off the internet. And that was to live like her, breathe like her and be unapologetically black like her. Yeah. And that to me was so profound actually because Ruby became something so much more than my silly like personalities that Mm -hmm. I tap into. And for those that just to give y'all all the listeners reference, like basically my dear friend and therapist, she gave me these tools to go out into the mountains and kind of become this person that I wanted to be when I was out there. And so I developed these multiple personalities under her guidance to channel that energy. And we went really descriptive. Like we built this character, we drew this character, we said what clothing she was wearing. I wanna see these drawings. (laughs) Yeah, well she has like flaming balls of fire in a force field and she has like so much (laughs) courage and bravery. And uh, and I have that and then I have like 
another personality for when I'm going through contract negotiations and who I want to be representing myself. And, um, and then you came along with this Ruby who, to me, there was so much more depth to that mm -hmm. person. Can you talk a little bit about the development of Ruby and what she represents for you? Um, I think the development of Ruby kind of came from seeing a lot of uh, ski media wanting to become a skier, not having any heroes and just coming up with my idea of what she would look like and what are the what the things that she would do of course she's like a badass she's a big mountain skier she's very stoic i think for me i wanted ruby to stand for something bigger than herself like yeah she's pursuing things and she's being selfish and she's getting on top of really cool lines but she's also making sure that there's enough space for everyone else and I think Ruby's determined to know that she's not going to be the only one and that she'll have a crew with her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's so much more powerful than my Athena. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's powerful, but it's also a lot of pressure of being like, okay, like, Ruby needs me to, like, do everything. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would imagine that that pressure, like, once you released that film, you had filmed that before the uprisings. Yeah. And then it kind of came out. When did it come out it, in it relation? Came, it was crazy. Becoming Ruby came out before Uprisings, and it got a ton of um, it got a ton of views. Like before Uprisings, people it resonated with people a lot. Um, but then Uprisings happened, and then people messaged me, and they were like, "Oh, so I watched it the first time, and then I Uprisings happened, and then I watched it the second time, and then I did not." understand what you were talking about at all the first time I watched it. Wow. Yeah. 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 And and I've heard you speak before about Ruby kind of like even at when necessary being an activist and standing up for what she believes in. Do you feel like you kind of inherited that responsibility through your position in the industry or did you want that for yourself? Um I think there there are certain things that are my responsibilities, and I think there are things that are, truly aren't, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't think, I think there's a certain part of it that I inherited, and there's a certain part that is just like really um, self-driven. Like, I don't think I would wanna do this any other way, you know? Yeah. It wouldn't feel quite right. Yeah, totally. But there are certain responsibilities that I, um, I feel like, don't really show my true talents or true passions. And there are certain responsibilities in industry um, that I think more people are more qualified to um, do, or like even like athletes who um, do other things than me. Um, I'm excited to see them like be able to have those opportunities and not necessarily me, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you got into skiing six seasons ago. Yes. <laughs> and it's, have kind of taken off I in this almost rocket. Feel really, I almost feel a little bit embarrassed. You should have. That's it's amazing. It's kind of intense. Totally. <laughs> yeah. But it's also so relatable to yeah. so many people. Totally. Like being new at something and being yes. vulnerable at something and like throwing yourselves into something is, yeah. is amazing. My favorite, I mean... I guess when you are skiing for six years, like every day on skis is new, 
But I, uh, my favorite thing to say when I'm skiing is like, every day is a new day to learn how to ski. And <laughs> it really does feel like that. <laughs> yeah. And you're learning quite fast. Yeah. I love it. I'm learning. I'm watching. I'm feeling like all the things. It's, it's so amazing. And I am such a gaper, but I also just am like, oh, this thing feels so good and so fun. And like, I feel like it's such a privilege to be able to pursue it. Mm -hmm. Like I never thought I would get the chance, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think like understanding privilege is such an important part of all of this too. Like yeah. a lot of people don't have leisure time to experience the outdoors. Oh. Like that's a privilege. I, yeah, I mean, like I think somebody who's learning somebody who's been able to like do what i've done in the short period of time has had a lot of a privilege of time right mm -hmm. um like even when i wasn't sponsored and i didn't have very much money like i had plenty of time to go ski and like be a ski bum and my community and my culture like um there's nothing wrong with being a ski bum like that's not weird right yeah so like that's such a privilege is like there's privilege of being able to pursue skiing as a ski bum and like live dirt cheap, right? And then I think part of just my progression as a skier has been, you know, resources and access, like being able to buy myself a snowmobile and being able to buy myself like a hot meal at the end of like the ski day and um, you know, having access to HeliSpace, like getting the invite, you know? Mm -hmm. And of course there's still like a ton of barriers for me. Like now that I'm here, um, there's still plenty of gatekeeping and there's plenty of navigation in this space. But I think the, I mean, the only way to like really be able to say like, okay, like I've been skiing for six years and it's been a lot of hard work, but I've also had a ton of access, mm -hmm. especially in the last couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. How <clears throat> did that process take place? Like, did you get a phone call from Ingrid Backstrom and she was like, do you want to go to Alaska? How did that happen um, with the approach? Not necessarily. Um, so like, I, I mean, I've kind of always like been like, man, I want to be a pro skier, but I wasn't very good. And like, I don't know. It, it's funny because I don't. I don't feel like it's very good, but also skiing feels like really natural and very intuitive to me. So it's kind of like, but also like I think there's this culture of in the ski space where um, there's so many good skiers that you don't really feel like you're all that good enough to really be a pro skier. And like everyone, at, like at least in my hill at Mount Baker, is like at a high level of skiing or a high level of snowboarding. So I didn't. I didn't ever feel like I was great. I still feel like such a goob, right? Um, but uh, Anne Cleary, who produces and directs and films Approach, um, she actually reached out to me the summer um, during Uprisings. And during that time, I was getting a ton of just, just so much, so many people just reaching out to me about everything and there were so many opportunities that were really awesome but there was a lot of things that just didn't make sense to me mm -hmm. wasn't it wasn't really quite my path and i didn't really know Anne very well um and she talked about putting together this project and i wasn't really sure about it so like my immediate reaction of like the approach was that it wasn't really for me um and so 
um, I told Anna, I was like, here are a list of names of people who I think would actually be a really good fit for this project. Mm -hmm. And so one of those people was actually Emily because I adore Emily and um, I think she's a really talented, really amazing snowboarder. Mm -hmm. um, Definitely. And so that kind of, I just kind of like let that be. I'm like, sweet, gonna have like a really awesome ski season and just like pursue skiing and not think, not put any like pressure on it. And then it was crazy that season I ended up filming. Like, <laughs> yeah, did they call again? No, I mean, so. I think Ingrid came through town uh, up at Baker and her and my friend Tatum, they were uh, just shooting photos. And my friend Anne, she just, she was like, just come and ski with us. Just like hang out with us. And I hung out with them and I had so much fun. And Ingrid mentioned that they were trying to get up to Alaska. And I was like, huh, I think I should do this. Yeah. <laughs> Alaska. Yeah. And so... <laughs> We did a bunch of filming at Baker and we did a bunch of filming at Jackson. Um, I We did like a heli hut trip in the North Cascades. So that was like- I remember that, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, we went to Alaska. What was that like? Um, Cause that, at that point you were five seasons in Yeah, you went to Alaska. Um, it was surreal. Um, I think my first, trip to Alaska was really scary. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I put a lot of pressure on myself to succeed because I felt like if I could prove that I could ski a line in Alaska, then I would get the invite to come back and ski. Mm -hmm. But the reality that I found is that I, I am kind of like the instigator of <laughs> being in places. I'll say so. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> So I keep on being like, oh, I'm going to get this like sick invite to go do something really cool. And it ends up that I'm just the instigator of doing the thing, which is, yeah, I have to. That's the reality is like, I'm going to go do something if it's like if I want to, you know. Well, you're going to speak your mind and say what you want. Which totally. <laughs> that got us to Alaska yeah. this past year. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. So I think that first year I put a lot of pressure on myself and then. We had some guides who like, we didn't have really a, a good rapport with. And so there was some lines that I f got onto that I knew that I could ski, but like some of the guides were trying to talk us out of it. So um, like my first impression of Alaska was, it was really intense. And I put a lot of pressure on myself to be like a pro skier. Um, but I mean, we got some of the most amazing conditions in a weather window we got in for two days it was bluebird the snow was perfect it was the slough was running slow um and uh we just we nailed it for those two days it was incredible and wow. after those two days i was scared but i was like I, I was like i need another shot i need to figure this out you know yeah you were hooked oh i was absolutely hooked and i think our crew was the impression of our crew at that time was like, oh, that was amazing, but I don't think we'll ever get to go back. And uh, the next oh, no year way. we did. Yeah. 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 Wow. That's pretty amazing. Totally. What, what was your process like being in those mountains for your first time and like picking apart lines and finding the confidence within yourself? I mean, 
the first time I went, I didn't even understand slough. My mm -hmm. brain was hurting so much. I had I had never even heard of anybody skiing from left to right or right to left. I had never even heard of anyone trying to outski their slough or stay on top of spines. That was like nothing that I had ever even understood in any of the movies, right? Um, and so um, it was just really scary because there I was like, I know I can ski all these things, but I don't understand the process of this place. Right. So it's just like a lot of listening and a lot of watching yeah. and um, just kind of like waiting and um, waiting till the right time to kind of like level up. Yeah. 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 But it was hard. <laughs> I had, totally. I had no clue what I was doing. And um, I would love to go back to some of the same zones that we went to that first year. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah. And then you went back a second year. Yes. With the same crew? With the same crew plus Vasu. Okay. And awesome. Vasu had never been there, but he just nailed it. <laughs> so cool. Nailed it. Got amazing shots. Had like... Oh my gosh, I just like can't believe it. He's it kinda, such an amazing athlete. It kind of makes me mad. I'm like, wow, <laughs> I had to go through all of that. And then you just showed up and you just like skied all these fines. No worries. Great. <laughs> well, if it makes you feel any better, my first time to Alaska didn't get one shot. <sighs> Not a single one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, such a process. That's so crazy to me. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like if you would... Of, I mean, I guess you've talked about this in Originate, but do you think if you were with a female crew that first time, you would have nailed it? Or I think it would have been easier for me, for yeah. sure. Yeah, I think I was super intimidated. And when you're, whenever you're the only girl or the only person who you can relate to, it's exponentially more intimidating. And yeah. I found myself in those early years not speaking up, um, not super fully confident in my voice, or in my ability, mm -hmm. there was a lot of stuff that I think I kind of unpacked like as I got older and looked back and mm -hmm. was like, oh man, yeah. like that really stifled my progress. Yeah. Yeah. But you had a bunch of women on your first trip, huh? Oh yeah, it was great. Uh, lots of women. I really, I was talking about this earlier with somebody. Um, it's always great having Emily yeah. um, there just cause um, it takes a little bit of pressure off of me. I also commented like, I'm always carrying a, a lot of, like, I guess I'm starting to get away from it. You know, there's not very many black women who are doing what we do. Um, and so there's always kind of this feeling of like, oh, I gotta be like exceptional, right? Mm. Um, and so I've been, I've been stepping away from that. And Good. I think part of that process is actually having Emily there and being like, well, if I'm not exceptional, then maybe Emily can do it and like we can, you know, kind of relieve the burden off each other. Um, right. I, I hope the same is for her too. Yeah. Yeah. I've had similar <clears throat> but different experiences being the only female. Yeah. In a space that was like, yeah, for when I first got into this, like you were the only girl on said sponsor. Mm -hmm. And so you really wanted to show up and do your best, but that puts all this pressure. And whenever I feel pressure, I don't ski as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So going back your second year, did you feel like it was easier or was it still really hard? Uh, I think going back the second year, I had a lot more leading up to it. So uh, second year, um, I early season, we had spent two weeks in Girdwood um, trying to get shots 
um, heli skiing. Um, actually, Emily got some really good shots from that, but I actually didn't get any shots because the weather was not great. But um, that was an opportunity to like get just time in the heli and get used to the bird and yeah. all the anxiety that comes from that mode of travel. Yeah, right. Because you're like approaching mountains very quickly. And not only is there this learning of how to ski said mountains, there's also this learning of how the machine operates and all of the totally. communication that goes down and team building. Like it's a huge process. Yes. And you're learning, you're learning how to shoot. You're learning how to, well, I'm learning how to ski and I'm learning how to shoot skiing. And then I'm also learning how to navigate the terrain and the intensity of being in a helicopter and working with heliops and all of the drama that comes with that. So there's so many different pieces of the puzzle. Um, so we spent two weeks there. We got pretty skunked. And then after that, I spent three weeks in Pemberton sled skiing. And that was really hard. <laughs> I also got skunked on that one. But the couple days that I did go out was a good... Um, good practice of just being in big terrain and being on steep rollovers and, um, you know, filming with Zach on drone and like setting up the shots. And, um, that was a really good primer for Alaska. Yeah. And then I spent another three weeks in Haines shooting with the approach crew and, um, our second round, we got, we had so many resources, there was folks who sent us all these different photos of the, of the different zones. Um, we were there for three weeks, so we kind of got an understanding of what was going on with the weather and the snow and got to go snowmobiling with, in Haines with my guide to kind of establish really good rapport. And mm. we had him over for dinner a bunch of times, and that was really helpful just getting to know people and taking our time. Like, it sucks to be somewhere in three weeks and um, just be waiting, but it's also a really good opportunity to, um, slow down and, um, just be a part of people's lives and get to know people and, you know, hopefully do something that gives back to those communities. Yeah. Um, and then we had two more days of incredible skiing in Haynes. Um, and those two days were some of the best conditions, the best light, and we got on some of the most fun terrain. And I, I just had a blast. I was just squealing, and I didn't really, I didn't, I didn't put a ton of pressure on myself to like really show up in any way. I really wanted the crew to get all the shots that they wanted as well, and I wanted us to level up in a way that was um, sustainable and that made sense too. And like, it, it was really awesome to be a part of that process. I already shot a bunch all season with my partner, Zach. And so I already felt pretty good about some of the shots that I had already gotten. Mm -hmm. So I kind of, there were some moments where I was like, oh yeah, this is like the bonus. Like yeah. this is sick because like I get to be here and it's fun and it's the bonus. Um, I think the one thing that I ticked off of my list that I was really stoked about was just skiing from the top of ca caffeine spines and getting to experience that and um, just moving in a way, and moving through that process, process in a way where I was just like listening and taking my time. And um, I knew when I was ready to get on top of it and that felt really good. Yeah, I yeah. think that's so important when we approach 
these massive mountains, like huge terrain, like you were talking about, you had all these down days, but it actually slowed the process down. Yes. And you got time with your crew and with your guides, getting to know each other and how you communicate. Like that's something that is so important when we step into these mountains. Oh, definitely. And when you go to Alaska, sometimes you don't get that opportunity. No, you like just get shot through a wormhole. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was just so special, so cool. And yeah, we had some really incredible guides who just were such hype men for us and yes, um, who knew what we wanted to do and help, helped us get there. And uh, it was just so special. Yeah. Do you feel like that first year you almost had to prove yourself? Oh, I definitely felt like I had to prove myself. And then also I had like the first year I really had to speak up and be like, hey, like I'm dropping into this line. Mm -hmm. I think I can ski this. And I stood my ground the first year. And this year going to Haynes, it was a given, mm -hmm. you know, at least, they knew. If, at least with like a couple of the guides, right? They knew what we were doing. They knew they from the skiing that we had done the previous season, they knew how to kind of like help us level up in the way that we needed, yes. which was pretty amazing. You established um, a rapport. Yes. I think that's like a necessary evil in a sense. Totally. Like, if, like anyone showed up in Alaska and they're like, we want to ski that. And they're pointing and their eyes are really big. Like you could get caught in some danger, especially mm -hmm. as a guide who's trying to look out for you. Yeah. But kind of a, even though it might be really frustrating at the time, like I definitely remember going through that process of yeah. having to build that trust with, with your guides and totally. mountain partners out there. Yeah. And I think... There was one day in Haynes where we went snowmobiling with our guide. And I think our guide, Tim Tom, was like, oh, Brooklyn's okay with like just getting stuck and going through the process and yeah. figuring things out and not always, um, you know, doing things safely and, but also learning, which, yeah. And then also I got to get to know my guide, Tim Tom, and he was just so patient and so fun. And I was like, sweet, like, I can't wait to ski with this guy. Awesome. Yeah. That's so cool to hear. Yeah. I do have to point out that one of my favorite attributes that you keep hitting on this whole conversations is that you are totally down with throwing yourself into the unknown and being <laughs> super vulnerable in the process. Yeah. And I think that that helps us grow and understand ourselves mm -hmm. so much more than if you just stuck in your little safe bubble of like doing the things that you know and being comfortable with that. Like I really appreciate it when people step outside their box. Totally. And put themselves out there. Yeah. It's hard to do. It is. Yeah. It's really hard. Like honestly, even hosting this podcast is hard for me to do. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so cool to watch you do that yeah. and then succeed and grow from it. And I feel like I got to experience Alaska with you after you had already spent so much time there mm -hmm. and it was so cool to kind of meet you there. Like, okay, so Brooklyn and my friendship definitely started through biking and a little backstory, like she has been someone in the bike space for me that I can learn so much from. Like, I think it's just your presence in the mountains too. You're like always having fun. And like me, we, we both enjoy throwing ourselves into the unknown. But when I see you do something, I'm like, wow, this is epic. And then you always look at me like, you can do that too. And I'm like, I don't know about that. Uh, but you're like, yeah, you can. Yeah. And and then I always end up doing whatever you tell me I can do because you believe in me, but I don't necessarily believe in myself. Yeah. And that's like such a rad part of friendship. Oh, definitely. When you can find that with someone else. That's so cool. And it's crazy. Um, 
this was something else I was talking with somebody about is like there there are just like moments in a, in your life where where you're growing up and not a, not everybody gets to have this experience but somebody tells you oh you're pretty good at this you should keep trying or you should just keep pursuing that just putting that little thing in your head and i really i just want to be that for everyone cuz i've had those people in my life and i know that they've had a huge influence on me yeah well yeah. you have definitely been that for me thank you yeah of course <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah um instigator okay. totally yeah <laughs> well yeah now driving at the whole point of us going to Alaska, Brooklyn, uh, you pretty much just told Nexus like, oh, we're going to Alaska. (laughs) And no one batted an eye. No, I was so surprised. I was like, maybe. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I love that they in the movie they kept in. I said something that was just silly. And I was like, yeah, this is a pretty crazy place to ski with Michelle Parker for the first time. (laughs) (laughs) But it was like kind of perfect. Yeah. Perfect for our relationship. And I would have never saw that coming, but you were like, yep, this is what we're going. This is what we're doing. And I was like, okay, this is epic. Well, that first year. So when we were in Haynes, like that first year um, with approach, we had watched originate a bunch of times, just like setting on the lines and I just like had this thought of like, so like Nexus wants me to do this film with Michelle and Michelle's done all the things that I want to do in Alaska. Michelle would be the perfect person to ski (laughs) in Alaska with. Yeah. 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 And then we made it happen. Thanks to you. Yeah. And then you said yes, even though you'd never skied with me. (laughs) (laughs) It was so cool though. Yeah. I remember our first run up there together. It was kind of like a milky but beautiful light. Yes. Yeah. Right. And we flew off into a zone that I had never been to before. Mm -hmm. And uh, man, it was so cool feeling your confidence and being like, oh, damn. Brooklyn's got it going I on. I was hyped. She's I was, vibing. I was feeling good until I think I crashed. <laughs> on that day? Did you uh, crash? No, I think that was uh, that was later. later yeah. 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 But I felt I was like even feeling good that day, too. You were skiing so good that yeah, day. Yeah. It was kind of crazy. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It was this really weird, grimy mountain, hard to find because everything was white and covered in... There wasn't like rocks or anything. I mean, Alaska is always really difficult. But. Yeah. I remember that zone being... Um, challenging because we were like how how big are some of the cliffs and like how like how how rhymey is it to get into things like i haven't really skied stuff like that yeah goes back to like learning how to ski as you're you know skiing (laughs) yeah what did you have you had a quote the other day when we were on stage for the world premiere of nexus and you were like i'm like building my plane at the same time as learning how to fly Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> mm-hmm. building the plane and also learning how to fly at the same time. That's what it feels like the last two years have been. Yeah. 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 Wow. That's like, I can't even really imagine just being like on this trajectory where you're like, boom, in Alaska, two years in a row, filming for multiple ski movies. Yeah. How does that feel? Um, It feels good. Um, I'm super proud of the work that I've done. I don't know. I just am trying to like kind of like keep it really even. Like I'm so proud. Um, I know that I have a lot of work that I still want to do. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm just not trying. I'm not trying to like become too attached, you know, right. so I can like continue to grow. Yeah, I like that perspective. Yeah. 
what did you like i'm just curious after the approach one came out mm -hmm. what was the feedback like how did that feel oh i think people really loved approach one i think approach one really resonated with people i heard so many comments from even white dudes that i know who were like yes this is what i've been waiting for i'm like you've been waiting for this oh that's a good sign that's amazing yeah, yeah. <laughs> i think i think people loved um the film and i think people really love the culture that we're creating with the film yeah yeah i've kind of heard you talk about and i'd love to for you to elaborate on it but like approach like it kind of felt like well i think you've said this and so correct me if I'm wrong, but that none of you knew what the heck you were doing. You're like, we're making a movie and we're going to go and do this. Yeah. I mean, approach, um, I think much like Nexus has like, um, been built from the ground up. So yeah. we've been all navigating it together and it's been really cool. Yeah. And we've been really lucky to have Ingrid Backstrom as she's opened up a lot of doors for us. Um, but she's also um, really good at taking a step back and letting us navigate things for ourselves as well. Yeah. Yeah. I love Ingrid so much. Yeah. I love <laughs> I her too. I used to beg to go on trips with her and I was yeah. always shut down. Like I haven't gotten to ski with her that much. It's really high on my bucket list. <laughs> yeah. I got one of my favorite, there's so many awesome little moments, but one of my favorite moments was um, when we were in Girdwood for the first uh, trip uh, last year, we got shut down by the weather and everybody everybody was tired. And Ingrid was like, well, the kids are with Jim. Like, let's go ski. So her and I just skied the two of us together. That's and awesome. that was so special. And I could not keep up. She was so fast. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. Interrupting this episode to talk about darn tough socks. I wear them every single day and I swear by them in my ski boots. They fit, they don't fall down, they're tight in all of the right places, no bunching, and they're made of wool, which keeps you warm in the winter and cool in the summer. And it also decreases the likelihood of smelly socks, which we all love. We don't, we don't love smelly socks, we love non-smelly socks, which darn tufts will help you not have smelly socks. <laughs> um, the fact that they fit super well is the key to avoiding blisters while hiking in shoes or in ski boots. They're made in Vermont, unconditionally guaranteed for life, which is no joke. I've been to the headquarters and I've opened return socks with my own two hands and my nose. Side note, please wash them before you send them back. Um, do your feet a favor and gift them a pair of darn tufts because they're the best. So we just saw Nexus for the first time. I didn't get to stay for the actual premiere, but I did watch it at home. Yeah. What are your thoughts on the movie? Oh my gosh, that was really, <laughs> that was really crazy going to Nexus uh, in Golden um, for the world premiere and not seeing the movie. Um, <laughs> and having people like tell me, oh, the movie was great. Your segment was great. And I was fully trying to still process yeah. everything that happened in Nexus. Um, Nexus is so rich. I, I love it. It's so rich and it's so funny. And Nexus did a really good job at balancing some of the funny moments with some of the highs. And um, overall, the movie feels really energizing. Um, and it, it's just incredible. I was just in awe. That's I, cool. Yeah, I loved it. And um, one of my friends, Kristen, um, her and Sasha have a segment in the movie 
that I loved. I was like in tears in the audience watching it. And when you're friends with somebody and you get to see them in a film and the film portrays them as who they are and everybody else gets to experience who they are in a film, it's so cool to see yeah. like everybody in the crowd be able to see this person that I know for who they are. It's it's amazing, you know? I think that's one of the things <clears throat> that I really love about Nexus is you're getting a deeper perspective into the athletes. Like mm -hmm. a lot of the ski movies are just action, action, action. And I personally always love to know a little bit more about the athlete, who yeah, they are. Totally. And um and it's not just about who they are, like it's centered around these friendships. Yeah. You know? Yeah, very much so. Yeah. And they're completely different experiences in life totally. in relation to skiing. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I think that's really cool. It is rich because of that. There's it's, a lot of different backgrounds. I was telling uh, Shannon Corsi, who produced Nexus and shot amazing photos for Nexus as well. Um, it's kind of like you're eating a slice of cake and then you're eating french fries and then you have mac and cheese and then you have like lasagna like it's it's so rich and it's so fatty and like juicy and amazing um i'm really excited to see where nexus goes and how people feel about it yeah yeah me too and you were there for it but i heard you all had a standing ovation that lasted for like minutes i yeah oh my gosh i couldn't i couldn't even believe the crowd too the crowd was just so wild i don't think i've ever experienced that kind of energy um from a ski premiere really it was so it was so overwhelming <laughs> <laughs> did you all get on the stage and like take a bow afterwards um i don't think we knew what to do yeah so if we do that again i'll know what to do this next time okay i'm gonna you're gonna guide me through that yeah <laughs> um but uh yeah I, I just couldn't believe it the crowd was just so excited to be yeah. there and to share and yeah so hyped that's cool yeah and when we were filming in alaska like yeah there was we came across, it was like well into our trip, this beautiful face called Velvet Curtain. Yeah. And things change year to year in Alaska. Sometimes runs open up and they're perfect for that day. And other times you can hardly ski down them because of the cracks or whatever it might be. And on that day, the Velvet Curtain, like we flew around the corner and we were, I think my jaw hit the floor. I was like, oh my gosh, look oh, at me this thing. too. Like we need to ski this. That moment of like the reveal of that zone, uh, felt mega it felt there was a presence yeah it was powerful yeah it immediately went from like oh yeah we're skiing to being like oh this, this is, is big this is big yeah yeah and then we got out on the ridge line and that side angle that we were looking at it from was made it seem so steep and like pretty intimidating. Like I, you were asking me questions about your line and my leg was simultaneously shaking because I was so scared <laughs> about what I was about to ski. And you're like, okay, yeah. And you're working it out in your head. And I'm like, I think Brooklyn might have more confidence right now than I, I do. I don't think I was, I think I was like, sweet, we're getting, I am getting this shot. This is, I just like knew that this was the shot. You know, you just yeah. like, no, you're like, totally. Oh, this is the shot. This is the line. I really want to nail this. And I did not. <laughs> But in a, in, but that's like, I think putting a different definition on nailing it, like in my eyes, you nailed it. Yeah. You skied down, you got sloughed out a little bit on your exit. You took a tumble, you came down to me 
and we like had this moment of like getting our wits back together and then you were like yeah i want to ski this again which in my mind that's nailing it oh yeah i mean it it's just like i mean i think it was before we had gone out to that zone henry and i were talking about um how at every point everyone gets sloughed out and i was like that happened that hasn't happened to me it's not gonna happen i'm fine <laughs> and then i you know it happened and i think um i got to the bottom of that run and um henry was like i he, i think he was laughing <laughs> I think he might have been. Yeah. I think he was laughing and I I enjoyed that he just was just laughing and thought it was really funny. He kind of saw things unfolding yeah. a bit. Um and I I just enjoyed the fact that he um as lead guide would give me the opportunity to do it again cuz yeah. I mean, you know, you you see I mean as women, as women of color, I don't think we're always allowed to fail. And we're not always allowed to be seen as failing. And, you know, maybe us failing is dangerous or risky or too out there. And um, Henry had the grace to just be like, hey, we have one more. We have a little bit of light left. We have this one second. If you want to do it again, you can do it again. And you just don't always get that opportunity. Yeah, totally. Which honestly was like also (sighs) another beautiful eye-opening experience for me because I've been taught through filming, like you get one chance yeah. when you're filming in the backcountry. If there's a track, there's a track that's not gonna make the movie. So in my mind, I'm always like, okay, hey, one's all you got. And so then you don't ski at your fullest potential because you're holding back a little bit because you really wanna nail it. Yeah. And then it stifles your progression. Again, you're not, you're learning, but not as fast as when, boom, you're back up on top of the line and you get a second chance. I mean, that's what progression looks like to me is repetition. Yeah. You know, my goal for last season was just to get as much time out there as possible. Yeah. You know, um, and that's that's how mountain biking works. It's yeah. like, sweet, you didn't get the shot. Let's try it again. Oh, you didn't get it. You know, push push your bike back up and try it again. And even if you don't get it, it's like you learn from that experience. And I, I was just like, well, like here, I mean, we're just going to drop all of the lines and yeah, just figure it out, you know? Totally. Um, and I think that's like the, that's one, the one thing that I've really enjoyed working with the approach is the progression looks a little bit different. Like we've got ski lines sometimes in the shot. And um, sometimes, you know, I remember the first year Sophia put down a line and I was really scared to drop in. And so I skied her same line and we're all towing each other into experiences. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I like dream of, you know, filming a ski film where people can, you know, share lines and, um, tow each other into features and help build that confidence. Yep. Which is yet another mind expander for me hanging out with you. It's like, yeah. oh yeah, totally. You can do that. I don't think it ruins the shot at all, at least in my eyes, right? Yeah. 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 But that's what I love about your yeah. perspective is you bring all this freshness of like, totally. that's okay, Michelle. <laughs> you yeah. can get back up and try again. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I've seen that in plenty of snowboard films or plenty of ski films where guys hit the same jump over and over and over again and yeah like they show the process of like one guy hitting one jump over and over again and crashing and then he finally nails the trick and i'm like oh like that's how you become a good skier right i don't know try and you try again yeah 
which I think in my mind, I reserve for like when I'm free skiing. Yeah. And then when you're in Alaska and there's money on the table and there's these high stakes, high pressure situations, I'm like, okay, you better freaking nail this. Yeah. I think that's the tricky part is um, just knowing when it's appropriate, right? Yeah. You know, knowing when you can uh, take up that space to progress. Yeah. Which then after Velvet <laughs> Curtain, we went to Shelly's Wall and you absolutely laced this line top that was to bottom. so fun <laughs> yeah it was beautiful yeah. i was so dang proud of you it was like the culmination of everything coming together i remember being like all right just grease this one like you've got it and then you just did it yeah and it was beautiful gosh i i just wish that more of those holes were filled and we had more time yep like you could film a whole yeah a whole segment in there it's like it just some of the coolest mini golf terrain. Yeah. I think what was, I mean, to go back to like some of the groundwork that you've laid, like um, it, it was just so cool um, being there with you and getting your perspective on some of those zones. And you sent me that uh, film that you're in with matchstick of Shelly's wall. And I was like sitting in bed, the bed that was next to your bed. <laughs> and <laughs> I was just like up at night watching the Shelley's wall segment over and over and over again. And by the time we had gotten there, I was like, I know exactly what line I'm gonna choose. And it was it was really cool having that experience and just getting to ski that, it was so fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. I think I do a similar thing when I go to Alaska or I'm approaching different terrain, I'll try to watch ski movies that emulate that terrain mm -hmm. over and over again because it puts my mind in the right place i start yeah. i study it like what kind of skiing are they doing how are they skiing this space like how are they avoiding their slough there yeah i think the biggest thing is the slough management um and there's a lot of other skiers who've just been able to do it really well and i think i can learn a lot from those folks and um even just exploring different zones or understanding different faces um, I feel like there's been a lot that I've been able to piece together through ski films and, uh, yeah, there's a lot of knowledge that's in some of the ski films that you don't ever really think about. Totally. Yeah. But at the same time, you're teaching us too. Like oh. I've learned so much from you. Like when Nexus was first proposed, it was like, oh, and Michelle will mentor Brooklyn and Alaska. And I was like, hard stop. Brooklyn's already been my mentor. And then I was like, <laughs> well, then it made me think about mentorship. Totally. And like how that's a reciprocal thing. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Mentorship is definitely reciprocal. I mean, some of my most favorite mentors are um, just people who, um, are just my good friends, you know? Totally. I mean, like when we were in Haynes with Approach and both Sophia and I got on top of Caffeine Spines and I just, just being able to see her, just being able to see that she was on the ridge that was right next to mine and just seeing her drop in and knowing that she made it to the bottom, I was like, sweet, mm -hmm. I can do this, mm -hmm. you know? It's empowering. And that, that to me is mentorship. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's it's unspoken even at times. Totally. Yeah. Some of the best mentorship. Yeah. Yeah. It's not necessarily teaching and talking a ton. Yeah. I don't think I have a knack for the like, like I teach avalanche courses and that's like in a classroom setting where you're the instructor. But when you're just with your friends, I'm like, it's just more fun to learn together and totally. to build each other up. And I think um, I've, I'm just like so privileged to be able to ski with you, Michelle. Like, um, 
you just saying yes and opening the door is that's mentorship, right? Being like, hey, like you can you can join me, you know? Mm. Well, I feel the same way. Yeah, about getting to be in the mountains with you. Oh, <laughs> we haven't even really talked about mountain biking yet. No, we haven't. It's crazy. I've been in like ski world. Yeah, totally. Well, yeah. naturally, we're on ski movie premiere season. Yeah, We've been yeah. going on tour. I can't wait to go back home and ride my bike. Yeah, we still have a little biking left to do. I everybody's like, yeah, skiing, Ron. I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which sport do you like more? Ooh, that's a really good question. I think uh, both of the sports serve different things in my life. Right now, I'm I'm just I feel so comfortable with biking, and I've made a lot of progress this year. And um, I'm making a trip uh, down to Green River at the end of this month to go do some free riding too. So I'm I'm pretty excited about that, and I'm starting to like find some biking that really speaks to me, like mm. in the, some of the same ways that you know big mountain skiing speaks to me, and that'll be a process of learning too. Um, but I don't know, it's hard. I feel like in some ways I'm a better skier than I am a mountain biker, and I've gotten a lot of really amazing opportunities as a skier that are very like um, novel and are very like outward and like stand out. I think, um, and also I've gotten some opportunities as a skier that are very like ego affirming as well. Like, okay, sweet. Like I'm working hard towards this thing. And then, um, you get to go to Alaska or you get to make a film and that definitely like boosts the ego. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and those are kind of stuff that I don't always like get from biking, but, I think biking serves me so much in the in-between moments and I get to go biking by myself and go off in the woods and ride steeps and mm -hmm. biking so much of my community is there. Yeah. And um, I think right now what's happening in the women's biking movement is just incredible. It's, it's so cool to see everybody support each other in this way. And I think I'm learning a lot from the biking community and um, I'm wanting to bring that into my skiing. But I don't know, I, I feel like I learn a lot from both sports every season. And I, totally. bring, I bring a little bit of learning from one sport into the next season and then from the next season into the next sport. I think so too, like going to formation, <laughs> seeing how Katie Holden has crafted this beautiful group of individuals that is inclusive, that's inviting, that's a warm, like I get the warm and fuzzies when I'm there. Yeah, like, I love this it. Is so cool to be a part of and to help build and like learn how to build and and see things differently. And yeah, I just love the community that women's biking has brought to the table. I think yeah. that's been a huge thing. And I think it's, I, I really do believe that it's the women that have brought that. Yes, they're bringing it. I mean, like the demographics in Bellingham at Galbraith Mountain are changing. They used to be 50-50 um, women, and now it's starting to look like 60-40 women on no the No way. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I've heard from some people, like, they'll go out in the morning and they'll only see women. Wow. Yeah. That's so good to hear. It's pretty darn cool. Yeah. I mean, I feel so privileged, in, at least with mountain biking, maybe uh, yeah i just have had like really awesome women's leadership some of the first jumps for some of the first drops that i got towed into were all women who mm -hmm. brought me into the space and i really learned a lot from them um mountain biking wise but then i also learned a lot from them about how to uplift others genuinely mm -hmm. 
And when you started mountain biking, um, you were a part of a group called the Supremes. Yes, I was part of the Kona Supremes. Yeah. The Kona Supremes uh, kind of came together as I was um, buying my first full suspension bike. And it came together because I had a couple of friends who worked for Kona. Um, and then um, there was other a couple of other ladies who had Kona bikes. And so we were like, sweet, we all have Kona bikes and we all really like riding together. Let's have a, a girls group. And... Um, that uh, women's crew really like helped develop my riding early on, which was a really amazing. It was so cool and so fun and so rowdy. I'd never experienced anything like it before. And which other famous mountain biker was a part of that? Um, so the other famous mountain biker who was a part of that is Hannah Bergeman. So yeah. <laughs> Kona Supremes is basically how Hannah Bergeman got her start. That's, that's how she. So cool. That's how she figured out how to even get a bike. It's crazy. And she too, like, hasn't been mountain biking for that long. No, she's been mountain biking for, I, I've been mountain biking for seven years now, and she's been mountain biking for that same amount of time. So yeah. incredible. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. It I is. have to remind myself, like, oh yeah, like, we we were on the same, like, <laughs> all ladies crew in Bellingham, like, at the very beginning. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. Yeah, I love her. And so when I've seen you in mountain biking and in skiing, you have this way to compose yourself before doing something that's probably pretty scary. Yeah. What is your process like in that moment? Um, uh, I don't know. I think late. so what happened earlier um, this last season, at least with skiing, was I had to dreams about being um in the big mountains and uh the dreams were just filled with joy mm -hmm. and they were filled with light and i would have dreams about um being on top of something and feeling the sun on my face and it felt so nice and warm and so um like i just kept on trying to channel that energy mm -hmm. when i was on top of something scary like the warmth and the feeling of the goodness yeah um and uh you know doing something because it is fun and it feels good in my body. Like with mountain biking, I often like I'll turn down features or I'll step away from something. I haven't seen that yet. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely don't ride everything, right? It's a process. Um, I'll I won't ride things that I can't understand. Right. Like if you I can't wrap your head around if it. If I can't wrap my head around it, then I won't ride it. And Sometimes that means seeing somebody else do it. Sometimes that means doing an in like in run a bunch of times. Sometimes that means like a toe in. And I also won't ride things that I think won't actually be fun in the moment. Mm -hmm. Like if it's a big jump, then that's pretty, that's probably pretty fun in the moment, like flying. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but like, if it's like, a really gnarly, like chunky, awkward downhill move that um, doesn't make sense to me, then I probably won't want to do that. <laughs> yeah, fair. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's the same thing with skiing is like choosing lines that I'm like, oh, I think that would actually be really fun just to ski it. It's kind of cool about skiing is you get to choose your line. Oh, yeah. I mean, I that's I mean, if we're talking about mountain biking versus skiing, Choosing your lines is pretty sweet. Yeah. Yeah. It feels good. It does feel How really How you cool. interpret the mountain. 
Yes. Yeah. yeah. Do you? I'm always curious about this because when I hear people say like, oh, it's my expression of art when I'm skiing and laying tracks down. Do you feel that relation as relationship as an artist? Oh, I definitely do. I think I have a, an understanding of how shapes move and like you think about um, even uh, even just like navigating Abbey terrain, like having kind of an artistic brain, I think is really helpful and thinking about how a certain snow is stacking up some in different places and all the different layers and being able to think about things in that way. And um, yeah, I I definitely think that skiing is an artistic expression for sure. Mm -hmm. And I think I continue to learn more as I like, or I think, I think one thing that people have asked me about is like, so how do you go from skiing resort to like skiing like big? And it's all about kind of like perception, right? It's like steep and it's fast and it's just a little bit longer than what you're normally used to. And I think art is like such a great way to kind of like um, understand more the -hmm. terrain. Yeah, I like how you put that, like understanding the shapes and like you are kind of using, you're totally using your imagination and then you're also using your body to express that. And there's like a very big athletic part of that, but Mm -hmm. it's also like, yeah, it can be expressive. I remember one, there was one day, it was kind of random that I was skiing um, years ago and I was with a bunch of friends and we were about to hit a jump, but the jump was super duper far away. Like it was rollers away. Mm-hmm. And I saw my friends just blast down the mountain, like so far just to get the speed for this one jump. And they nailed it, right? And like after seeing that, I was like, oh, like you can't see the space as like this small thing. Like you actually have to like look at it as like this bigger thing. And when you're able to look at it, this bigger thing, like you're able to like, see things differently and Mm -hmm. ski differently yeah i think um being an artist is like helps me be able to do that and then also seeing other people ski and being like oh that's how you're supposed to do it or like that's that makes more sense i've never been able to get the speed for that jump right you actually have to start from really really far away yeah yeah i think of i think oftentimes i pick things apart like if I have one run I think about it like climbing like you pitch it out Mm. and you're like okay the top section this is what I'm doing and I study that and then I like move to the next section and breaking down a line like that is helpful for me to yeah just take it one step at a time totally rather than trying to grasp this huge like picture of it I'm like okay break it down like three turns three turns three turns yes yeah Yeah. I think that's piece that's a piece of the process is being able to visualize and then uh, piece things together. Yeah. 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 Do you get scared? Oh, I definitely do get scared. <laughs> I get the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> oh, I definitely get scared. And I um, there are a lot of moments where I'm pretty vocal about it. I'm like, I am scared. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that usually makes me feel really better, like a lot better. When you can express that. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because growing up and being like the only girl on so many film trips, like I did not want to say that I was scared. (laughs) Like you build this hard, tough outer shell. But then when you're in the mountains with women, like we communicate differently and you can support each other. Like if you said you're scared, I'd be like, oh, what are you scared about? And we would like work through it in the moment. Yeah. Rather than just being in your head. Oh, I definitely get scared. You know what's the scariest thing is uh, 
when you're like waiting for the helicopter to come in and you're like, I hope this thing doesn't smush me. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Helicopters are so cool, but oh, also so scary. So scary. Yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh. Like the end of the day, you're like, oh my gosh, this thing is scary. Just get me back home. <laughs> yeah, they're powerful. Yeah. yeah. I get scared when I'm not in control. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Me too. I think I get scared. I think the hardest part um, with navigating like some of the bigger terrain in is uh, just not knowing if you like trust your own roadmap mm-hmm. for the train, mm-hmm. you know, like being able to like remember, okay, this is my left turn. This is my right turn. Like that's scary. Uh, steep rollovers where you can't really see. I think anything, so scary. anything that feels uncertain or unknown for me yeah. is really scary. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, any any way that you can like kind of relieve some of that fear is yeah. really helpful. Yeah. When we were in Haynes on top of caffeine, I did another, I did one run on the like the main spine and then um, I did a second run uh, just because I wanted to go really fast and feel what, well, like what the, to feel what that was like to actually outrun my slough. And the original line that I chose was like on this steep rollover. And then I got up there and I was, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't even like figure out how to like get myself to do that mm-hmm. steep rollover. Um, and so I chose a line that had like full line of sight. Yeah. And just stuck with that. Yeah. And Smart move. Totally. Mm-hmm. And it's stuff like that where you're like, okay, um, how do I navigate the unknown? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like Have that. Have more knowledge. And are, is your art on your own skis? Uh, no, not on my own skis, <laughs> but I have, um, I've had a couple of, uh, skis with art on it over like the past couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. Just working with, um, lots of small brands, uh, to create art. And I love doing that. I feel like when I create art for like a set of skis or for a set of snowboarders, like I'm able to, um, you know, take my energy of art and put that into the ski. And I hope that whoever is the skier or the snowboarder feels the energy that I put in through the art. Mm-hmm. I think one cool thing about creating art for equipment versus soft goods, like t-shirts or hats, is um, they end up getting passed on to other people. Mm-hmm. So my idea is like, okay, I put in the energy for this art into this like piece of tech and then they use it for a season. They love it. They're like, oh, I love these skis. And then they pass it on to some young girl. And they're like, hey, you're going to love these skis too. And she'll identify with the skis. And she'll have all the stories that that person had. And that energy just kind of keeps like carrying through as people get to use more of the equipment. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Versus like a t-shirt. Um, you know, every once in a while, I'll like see my one of my designs on a t-shirt at the goodwill you know oh no <laughs> yeah i mean that's just that's but just it does it get passed it on. has it gets passed on but it has like a it has a Slightly different lifestyle different. yeah yeah i will never put your t-shirts in the goodwill <laughs> i'm gonna wear those things right out i mean i wouldn't be offended but i mean i could say the same about what you're you're talking about the equipment and like the t-shirt that i have of yours yeah. means so much to me Aww. it's like one of my favorite t-shirts yeah yeah um, you've also had your art on rumple blankets, which yes. looks so cool as Thank a big you. canvas. Yeah. yeah. 
they're a sponsor of the show. Um, yeah, where do you see yourself going with biking and skiing and as an artist? I don't know. That's been a question that I've had. <laughs> <laughs> there have been parts of me that it's like, okay, sweet, how do I get back to AK? You know, it's such an addicting feeling and it's it's such a, I really wanna keep progressing in that way. Um, I plan on, at least for skiing, I really need to work on some fundamentals. So I'm hoping to get like my friend Ingrid or Kristen from Nexus to help me with my, just my turns. Cause some of those ladies have some of the most amazing turns ever. Actually, I feel like this last season of biking, I got a season pass for the mountain bike park with the intention of hitting jumps, but it turns out you have to be really good at cornering to be able to hit jumps. Mm -hmm. So I got better at cornering and I was like, oh, maybe I should like get better at cornering on skiing so I can be a better skier. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think this next season working on fundamentals, um, one of my goals is to go back up to BC and do more sled skiing because that's a really fun, really cool, accessible way to um, big train and, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's next. I'm just kind of letting a little bit unfold and then seeing what, um, sparks my joy and my interest. Yeah. I find that question <clears throat> is always more difficult when you're like on tour for movies and stuff. Cause you haven't really processed it. I, I or really had time, haven't. Yeah. Or had time to like breathe. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, I think with the approach, I don't know if we really, even thought we were gonna make another one right when we were touring yeah and then so many people liked it and wanted to support us keeping moving forward and so we were like oh maybe we have another a second shot so we'll see i don't know i also feel like um i think like there's a part of me that's like oh maybe i'll get like noticed and like somebody invite me to some cool trip but i i think i'm settling into the reality of some of the best things um, that I'm able to do are actually self-driven. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And by mm. means of like talking about it and putting it out there and yeah. hoping that it comes true or are you like driving at like, this is something I want to do and I'm going to do it. I think um, a little bit of both. Yeah. 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 It seems like through your imagination, through your art and like drawing somewhere where you want to be, like you do have this kind of almost like a law of attraction going on, mm -hmm. which I believe in. Yeah, it yeah. must be real because I'm, you know. Because <laughs> you're doing it. Because I'm doing it. And yeah. like, I mean, I, I still can't believe how many episodes of Originate that I watched and I was like, oh, I want to do that. And then you're totally, in an episode. I still can't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if y'all haven't checked out Originate, season three just dropped. Oh. And I think it was like two years ago now. Yeah, that's wild. Brooklyn, Brooklyn was the instigator. She was like, I know this trail out on Orcas Island yeah. and it is such a fun trail. Um, but you and your partner, Zach, took us out there and we got to shred with uh, Hannah Bergman. And it was like such a fun trip. Oh, that was the most fun trip. Oh my gosh. And Hannah made us um, handmade pizza on the boat. And we yep. got to ride all those jumps at Orcas Island. And oh, that was sweet. And it was like perfect fall conditions. Yeah. It, we took our bikes onto Zach's sailboat and we sailed there. And then I know for me, like, I was just like, I just want you two to like ride your bikes and I want to capture that. And then, <laughs> and then we wrangled you into it. You really did. 
<laughs> yeah, that's when I was like, ah, oh, Brooklyn's got away with me. <laughs> like we had been in other places around Bellingham and it was so cool. And then we went to the Gifford Pinchot, which was so fun. Yeah. Um, but on that specific trip, yeah, there was one gap at the bottom. And I remember the second day of filming, you were like, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna go hit this gap like, I had been, for sure. I had been thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> and lot. in my mind, I was like, yeah, there's no way that I'm gonna hit that gap. And yeah. you were like, yep, this is what I'm doing. And then I watched you and Hannah session it. And then you just have a way with me. <laughs> I love, and yeah. ended up hitting it. Yeah. I but, was stoked for Alaska because I'm like, oh, man, she's going to have her way with me, too. <laughs> yeah. A little payback. Yeah. Yeah. Payback oh, definitely payback. On the leveling up scale. Yeah. Oh, sweet. We're going to hit like this mega spine zone that you're going to fall. Yeah. Like halfway through. <laughs> so epic. Yeah. In that originate episode, at one point, you're like, maybe I can be the Serena Williams for younger girls like who when you were growing up who did you look up to who were your heroes who were my heroes I was actually thinking about this today as I was showering um being uh kind of like an icy not or not like a cold person I'm definitely like a warm welcoming person but yeah you're like so warm but I'm very like chill and um I keep on thinking about Martin Luther King Jr who was like a very prominent leader but then also was a very like peaceful protester and um he was somebody that i looked up to when i was really young Mm -hmm. yeah that's awesome yeah anybody else is that like the one figure that like stands out to you you (laughs) i wasn't fishing for that (laughs) but thank you very much you want me to say michelle parker (laughs) i very much look up to you Um, i'm trying to think of who else um I mean, um, who else is somebody that I look up to? Like when I was really, really young. Yeah, like I look. I remember when I was like twelve and through high school, it was Mia Hamm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely looked up to Martin Luther King Jr. Um, definitely looked up to Serena and Venus Williams. Um, uh, my mom had a bunch of. My mom, when I was really little she had an album of Lauren Hills. Mm. And so I've always really looked up to Lauren Hill and I love so many of her lyrics from her songs. Mm-hmm. She's badass. I think she's definitely um, an influence of Ruby for sure. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Do you still visualize Ruby when you're standing on top of lines? I do. There are moments where I definitely visualize Ruby and then there are also moments where I visualize this new character that's kind of bubbled up in like the last couple of seasons. Is it Brock? It's Brock. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about Brock. Um, so Brock, <laughs> I mean, I don't even know, like just the function of these characters are just really funny and it's really funny how they just kind of naturally flow in and out of my life. Um, but. Brock came to be because I was in the airport with the approach crew get, about to get on a seaplane. And the guy who was announcing was like, um, so is Brocklin here? Do we have a Brocklin? And I immediately was like, yes, that is me. I am Brocklin. <laughs> okay, that's cool. <laughs> and uh, Brock has kind of just been uh, this uh, character. I guess I can describe what he looks like. So Brock is a a big dude 
probably the size of a football player. He's kind of, he's very kind and he's very gentle. He's a little bit of aloof, but Brock just believes that he can do anything. And Brock is just there for along for the ride. He's super stoked. He's super happy. Brock doesn't even know how to ski, but he's like, sick, I get to go in a helicopter and like drop in on something. This is awesome. Like Brock just has so much just fun energy. And Brock doesn't necess- necessarily know how to ski everything. And he's not really perfect at everything, but Brock is willing to try. And Brock is always willing to just drop in and figure things out. And um, I think um, sometimes when I'm standing on top of something, I just bring Brock energy. Brock is like kind of like bumbling his way through things. And sometimes he has like these really shining moments that just kind of like appear out of nowhere. And then there's other times that Brock, um, Brock is definitely stumbling his way through things. But I think Brock has been really helpful because I think I've put in a lot of work, right? Put in a lot of work into biking and in skiing. And sometimes your skill set doesn't always line up with what you're willing to actually try. That happens a ton with biking because biking, like if you crash, it can be really, um, can be really consequential. Um, and so I think for me, Brock was a way for me to step into the role of maybe a white dude who has a lot of confidence and um, me myself, like I'm the person who has the skill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you also have that confidence. <laughs> I saw Brocklin out the, there. The big rock energy. <laughs> yeah, the big rock energy for sure. I love that. Yeah. Um, okay, for our listeners, because I always love having takeaways and like learnings from podcasts. Yeah. What are some of the things that you think we should all shoulder as our responsibility to make the ski industry more inclusive? I think, oh, we were talking about this earlier. So I think one thing that people don't ever really think about is listening. And listening is actually a skill and listening, not always to be heard, but listening to understand somebody else. Um, I I think that's the biggest way that we can really change things. And Mm -hmm. I think for me, like um, one of one of my biggest um, issues, I think maybe not now because things have changed, but. I didn't ever feel like anybody was listening to what my truth was and Mm -hmm. what I was passionate about. And I felt like I kept on being put into boxes. um, From like companies or like from movies or like. Yeah, just as somebody who's, you know, a black woman in the industry, um, you kind of get pulled in a lot of different directions. And I didn't ever feel like people were truly listening to what, I wanted, right? Mm-hmm. And um, everyone is so different. And so I think just taking the time to listen and not make assumptions. Yeah, yeah. totally. I feel like that is such a, a truth. Like if we all were open to having conversations with people of different backgrounds and different experiences, oh, definitely. then we would likely be more empathetic to their perspective. Like, I mean, <laughs> I experienced that big time over the last few years of mm-hmm. like, really opening up my eyes and being like, wow, I live in an incredibly privileged place that's affluent, that's hard to live in. Um, It's a white bubble 
and like I needed to expand my mind mm-hmm. and and listen. Yeah, like that was such a big part of it. And it's hard. Like listening is much harder than I think people think of it being. So just tapping into that as an actual skill and not something that just is inherent. Mm-hmm. And getting you can get better at that. Totally. You can get yeah. Totally. Yeah. I like that one. Yeah. Is there anything else? Uh, I don't know. Invest in invest in women of color. Mm-hmm. Um, invest in women of color because you know women of color um you know not only are we bring ourselves to the table but a lot of times when you support women of color in all aspects of life not just in sport or in outdoor culture they tend to bring everyone to the table with them mm-hmm. that's beautiful yeah yeah i like that one i'm gonna add to your list because this is totally something that i've heard you talk about but yeah and i've also read a really beautiful article i think hadley hammer wrote an article for ski magazine about like how judgmental we can be Mm -hmm. and maybe that's someone like i think this has happened to you telling you how to carry your skis oh or that your pants are weird (laughs) i almost forgot about that (laughs) yeah in the outdoor space yeah there's such this tendency to make make judgments yes and call people a kook or whatever it is and it's like why like reality you were were a beginner we're all kooks yeah and And this shit is so expensive like and today is just another day to learn how to ski yeah (laughs) (laughs) exactly i think and hadley made a great point too she was talking about like oh you're in the backcountry and you see someone doing something wrong and you're like oh my gosh i would never want to be in the backcountry with that person and you like have this judgment and you might even talk about it with your friends what if instead you offered help or you like approached it slightly differently and you weren't judgmental but you're like oh like this is like an opportunity to be a bit of a mentor and of course like approaching those things gingerly and like with good communication is key i think that's part of what i love about backcountry skiing is you learn how to communicate better and better and better definitely and how to listen yeah there's so many um similarities between like an avalanche course and real life scenarios i really appreciate that oh a hundred percent yeah yeah but i think we need to work on that too oh are yes uh, so much so <laughs> yeah big time um God, wow. i can't believe that lady who told me to carry my skis i was carrying them ski my skis wrong it's just like the most funny day <laughs> have you changed the way you carry your skis i don't Good. i just carry my skis whatever in whatever way is the most comfortable and it was just that moment was just so funny and ironic because I was just about to go do a bunch of arm laps. And so I was just about to go put my skis on my back to carry them all day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Luckily, I had a bunch of buddies with me who um, really, um, they they kind of uh, heckled this lady. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> they saw what was happening and they were like, this is bogus. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, I don't quite understand that judgment. Yeah, it was just, and it was so funny because she wasn't even a skier. She was a snowboarder. Yeah. Wow. No way. <laughs> snowboarder in hand. <laughs> yep. So, yeah. So much wrong. Softening that perception of others is important. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Um, I have a few questions that I've been asking all my guests. And yeah. so far, it's been a really hard one to answer. Um, but, I want to know what was your wildest day of your life wildest day of my life 
anything that it could be something bad it could be something really good and beautiful could be like your most favorite line that you've ever skied Hmm. i don't know if i had like a peak wild day of all days because i've i've just experienced so much so much richness Mm -hmm. it's really hard to like pin down i mean last ski season i think was wild because there were so many lows yeah there was lows and highs and when the lows are lows you really feel the high moments Mm -hmm. especially definitely skiing caffeine spines was definitely a highlight for sure yeah leveling up to that point and um feeling all of that energy i just um took a trip out to um norway oh cool and didn't bring any bikes just hiked every day and um my trip to norway up in the lofoten islands in the arctic circle was just incredible it blew my mind it was probably one of the craziest i don't know if it's my wildest day but it was one of the wildest places that i've ever been to good answer yeah yeah that's super cool yeah it was just so nice to just be on foot every day hiking and just life just felt really simple yeah yeah that's beautiful i just got really excited actually because tonight's the first night i get to watch the approach too and (laughs) brooklyn keeps referencing caffeine ridge which is i can't wait for you to see me too me too i want you to be so proud it's this line that like i went to when i was i think i was like 20 years old and totally flailed got taken out by my slough like lost a ski my day was over and then went back i don't know how many years ago maybe four years ago yeah and got to ski like uh, this off the same ridge and like had one of still one of my favorite runs of my life and then this year i saw you guys you all going there and you skied it and sophie skied it and it looked amazing. And I could just feel the energy from like the same state. I was in Alaska, somewhere different. And I was like, oh my gosh, they're doing it. And yeah. got so psyched. It was just cool too. Cause we just, we'd watched, we'd watched that episode so, so many times. And I mean, like I kept on reminding the crew, okay. Like even Michelle Parker, like the first time she went out, like she didn't get any shots. like. I think I think we're doing good. <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, and so it was it was really powerful to be like, oh yeah, like we're skiing some of the lines of greats. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I don't oh, call myself a great. I think you're a great. Uh, I appreciate it. Um, okay, my next question. <laughs> Slipping into a different accent. Um, in a different I have to accent. Be careful. We have to be careful. Oh yeah. Sometimes we get stuck in a funny accent. Our Alaskan <laughs> accent was pretty good. Um, all right. I feel like so often we overlook our like highs and our personal achievements and we downplay them to ourselves but i think it's really important to celebrate those moments so if you have like a personal achievement that you are the most proud of what would that be oh last season was so amazing yeah skiing yeah i felt for the first time that i was like a knight in shining armor like going and fighting dragons i felt you know not everybody gets to go on like such a cool quest and um yeah the skiing part was great and learning how to navigate the terrain and also learning how to support a crew and all of it was really incredible and really really challenging too and um it's something that i've always wanted so yeah um, it's really incredible and such a privilege to 
be able to even just go to that place to go there mm -hmm. yeah oh i'm so proud of you yeah thank that's you that's really awesome yeah so cool wow all right yeah. is there anything else you'd like to share no i think that's it any shout outs to sponsors or anything like that uh, i don't think so yeah <laughs> i'm just excited to uh do premieres this evening joint premiere and uh excited to get back home and go ride my bike too and yeah what yeah. bike are you on? Um, I, somebody asked me this the other day, and right now I've been mainly just riding my downhill bike, mm -hmm. the V10. It's yeah. really fun. Yep. You need to get a downhill bike. I do. It's high <laughs> on the list. Because yeah. you bought a pass at Whistler this year, right? Yeah. And went up there like so often. Oh, it was so fun. It was really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Is that your closest bike park to you in Bellingham? Mm -hmm. That's yeah. the closest one. Yeah. Very cool. Thankful that border opened up. Yeah, very, yeah. Very lucky to have access. Yeah. Well, it's been an amazing chat. Thank you so much for sharing your time and your energy, both here in Alaska on the bike trails. I super look up to you and am oh. so appreciative of every time we get to interact and hang out. It's one of my favorite things. Oh, thank you, Michelle. Such a Such an amazing privilege to be on the podcast. Thanks for doing it. This is yeah. my third one. I'm still learning. <laughs> It. <laughs> High fives up top. <laughs>